Well, I had uh, the joy of having a bunch of time off, and that's actually kind of what it feels like. I don't know if you guys know this. There's a, re- there's a reason why I showed that. I have this kind of little nickname about me, if you know me at all. People call me the Energizer Bunny. And so I have this ability to go at a really, really fast pace in everything. I talk quickly. I'm usually the one that's interrupting people. Forgive me. Blanket, forgive me for all the interruptions in the past. I'm going to work on that. In fact, I told the last service, I give you permission if I interrupt you to slap me, okay? I really want to break this, okay? But I go at an incredibly fast pace. And, and, and God taught me a number of things over the sabbatical, but one of the big ones was that my, my pace that I run in life, at home, at work, in general, is absolutely 100% sustainable for me and me alone, and not for my family, and not for the people that work around me, and not actually healthy in the long run. And so as I got the time away and, and had the opportunity to go away, I'd come back, and I kind of made the joke that I kind of feel like Flash, which is, is really weird. It's happened a few times over the last couple weeks where I've been talking and people will interrupt me. And, and I'm realizing it's taking me a really, really long time to get what I wanted to say out. And that's, that's new for me. In fact, I've felt really unproductive for these last three weeks. So if today's message isn't, you know, up to standard, just know it probably wasn't, I wasn't as productive as I could have been this week. I've tried. I don't know why, but it's just hard. But we, I had this time off, and God did some incredible things. And one of the things that the leadership did is they said, okay, we're going to give you seven weeks off, Brem, and then you're going to come back. And that first week, it's just Wednesday, Thursday, you're going to be just there for the staff and the leadership. And then the following week, kind of working through your emails and figuring out where you're going from there. And then the following week, you'll start doing some prep to teach, which is, was this week. And so that's been really, really good. It was a shorter amount of time, seven weeks only, because... Uh, my wife is due with our fourth child in the next couple weeks, and so we have decided to keep her on sabbatical. So just so you know, if you're like, why isn't Jen jumping back in to ministry stuff? It's because, well, she's about to pop. So, um, so we, uh, we've kept her on sabbatical, so she's kind of staying and laying low in this, but the shorter sabbatical is nice because I'm teaching today, and then we have Surf Sunday next week, and then I have a, a couple Sundays off again for baby, and then we are jumping into the book of Ephesians on September 4th, and I'm very, very excited about that. Um, we got a lot of really cool things that are come out of that, which is going to be awesome, but that's kind of the, the ramp up, and so the idea was that today I would share a little bit of my time. I want to, um, I guess, start with, I can't begin to thank you enough. Like, it was an unbelievable blessing, and I, I wrestled with even what do you do? You come back and talk to a bunch of people that have been working all summer, except for your teachers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but been working all, 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 month, all summer, and then, and then I'm going to say, hey, I had this amazing time. It was incredible. You should try and take seven weeks off sometime. It's awesome. Like, it was so good for me and my family. So good. We didn't, there were some, some hard things. I'll admit, like, I wrestled with some insecurities on the front end. You know, that, that insecurity of what if they just don't need me? which is kind of funny because one of the things that I heard the most when I first cut back, because we've been at church a couple weeks now and kind of just in the back and kind of doing some stuff that way, and I get what people mean by this, but it's not helpful, is, man, we, didn't even, we don't even need you, right? Like, I'm like, oh, thanks. Like, that hurts. You don't need me? Like, okay. So there's some insecurities there, but I know what they're saying. It's, hey, it's gone well. It's been okay. Thank you for what you've done. It's not, Brent, we don't need you, although some of them may have meant that, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> Also, it's funny, I, I realize there's families here, there's individuals here that if they started coming over the sabbatical that are here for the long haul, and this may be the, the make it or break it week for you, like, oh, this is what we're getting all the time? I thought we were going to have all this. No, I'm kidding, but you guys aren't laughing, so that's okay. 
Um, <coughs> sabbatical was one of those things where God taught me a number of things that I'm actually want to be really clear. I don't feel like I'm enlightened. Like I'm this totally different person that's so enlightened and I'm going to school all of us in this. But I do see some drastic differences in me. And I see them in my wife and I see them in our family. And I, I just kind of feel like God's shown some light on some areas that maybe there was some darkness that needed to be dealt with or maybe there was just some, some, some disobedience or just some unawareness to things. And, and he, he brought all of that stuff kind of to light. It, it's funny, if you've, I don't know if you've ever experienced, maybe you've gone on vacation where you've had everything that you normally do taken away from you. I was off Facebook, which was awesome, and I highly recommend, just so you guys know. And I didn't get email because someone was taking my email, and um, I think Bruce Young, who, who was kind of the one that springboarded this from First Baptist, scared you guys enough that no one was texting or calling us. So it was like, we were like, I remember the first week, I'd pick up my phone and be like, it's like muscle memory, you know, like smokers, they just need to have something in their hand, right? It'd be like, well, it's, it's like, I don't have Facebook. There's no emails. It's not ringing. Anyone text me? Nope, still no one's texting me. I'll see what the weather is. Hmm. And I tell you, for the first week, I could have told you what the weather was going to be at any point because I checked the weather so much. It was like, is the weather, well, you know, it's going to be 13% chance of this today. Well, that guy was wrong. Obviously, I could do this better than him. It was just this muscle memory where he did it. But one of the things that was incredible was every single pastor that had gone before me that I kind of picked their brain on sabbatical said, the hardest thing to do in sabbatical is to turn off, is to, is to shut down, to kind of un, unwind, to get out. And so the, the fear was of me only doing this for seven weeks was three weeks in, I'd finally let go and, and let down. And then it was like only three weeks to kind of wrap. Well, either I'm really, really holy or just very, very irresponsible, but Monday came after that Sunday, and I was like, sayonara, people. Like, I didn't check in at all. Like, God did this incredibly amazing thing in me where I really wasn't thinking about much outside of the immediate stuff. I had a couple moments, and I journaled through it, a couple moments where I would, a little insecurity would well up going, I hope that they're okay, or I wonder what's happening with our offices, or just kind of those things, but it was never this long, it was more of a fleeting thought that just kind of disappeared. And so God really allowed us to kind of jump in. Well, if you've ever spent a lot of time off or away, or if you're a teacher and you kind of get to do this with your family as well in the summers, or you have a schedule that allows that, we kind of created this incredible bubble, my family. And I, I love my wife and kids. I really do. I always have. Yes, at times they drive the snot crazy out of me, okay? Like, I admit that. But this time was so good for that. And I, I, I wrestled sharing this because I don't want people to think, oh, Bren, you're so holy. Please hear that. That's not the point. But the first day, so the first day back in staff meeting, <laughs> we were, we were, the whole day was kind of set out with, we were going to spend a whole day like, catching up, like catching up Sunday people, events, services, everything, finance, kind of the whole thing. And about an hour in, I had the most bizarre thing happen to me that's never happened that I can remember ever, okay? It maybe has, but I can't remember. And I was sitting there and, Someone was talking. I can't remember because, well, I, I checked out. So they were talking, and, and, and I, I felt myself kind of, like, disappear in the room. And I was no longer in the room, and all of a sudden, I, w I found myself thinking, I wonder what my girls are doing today. I wonder how they're doing. Man, I really miss them. And for the first time ever, I went to work. And I've, I've missed my girls when I've gone out of town or if it's been three crazy days, but... But I was like home an hour ago, kissed him goodbye. And then all of a sudden, I, I, all I wanted to do was be back home. And that was like the most bizarre and amazing thing ever. And what I realized is, is that 
it put me in this really, really interesting spot, kind of the, the middle. So I, I left this family unit that, that Jen and I are like so grateful for this time. I'm so thankful for the staff, the leadership, the owners, everyone that stepped up so that we could do it. Honestly, we saw a difference in all of our children over the summer. Like it's just, it kind of created this, this it, I mean, euphoric kind of bubble. Don't, again, don't get me wrong. Our kids still threw fits and still lie and still do all sorts of awesome things like that, right? But, but it, was, it was just this really, really beautiful time. And then I came into the, the, the staff and I was sitting down with the staff, and we're getting ready to go through things. And prior to leaving, when I sat down with the leadership, we, we had shared some of the things that I had hoped individually would happen on individuals on the staff um, team, and then also that would hap- happen collectively. And I really felt, and I remember sharing this with, um, with uh, Danny Schaefer, one of the guys in leadership. I remember sharing with him, I really feel like maybe there's some things that I might get in the way of that's keeping them from being there. So I actually encouraged each staff member, while I'm gone, write down the things that, wow, we really enjoyed X when Bren was gone. Or we really, really realized we needed Bren for this. And what I need to find when I come back is, do we really need me for this? And am I in the way of this other stuff? And how do we do this? The, the most amazing thing about this time off, guys, is I came back more excited and more in love and more passionate about what I'm doing here in this role. And I believe God has got me here for the long haul. So I'm super stoked about that. And none of the, other than the few statements of we don't need you, most of the leadership actually really said, hey, we're glad you're back. So, so that's good too. But, but I came back and I sat in the staff meeting and it wasn't even an, an hour in, maybe a little bit longer because at that point I was tuned out. But whenever I checked back into the meeting, okay, I, I realized this thing. And I, this, this, I was sitting there watching the, the staff communicate and, and share about things that happened. And it was the most unreal thing ever. I was watching this, this, these individuals that I, I felt like I knew really well and had spent, you know, weekly or biweekly meetings with and were managing and doing all these different things. And all of a sudden it was like they were different people and different in, in a way better way. I mean, a way better way. In fact, there was ownership for things that I was like, I, I can't believe this person is owning this right now. This is so beautiful and so awesome. And I, the, the picture kind of came up to mind. It was like a carousel or a merry-go-round. So you got this merry-go-round and don't read too much in this analogy because obviously the staff just isn't going in circles, but they're going somewhere, right? <laughs> but, but I showed up and, and the, the church was moving in this merry ground and the horses were going in the way they were and everything was, was moving in this absolutely steady and beautiful form and they were working together and I was, I, another insecurity set in in that moment. I came home from that day and I remember telling Jen, oh man, like it was hard. Like I felt myself fighting some anxiety of what needs to get done coming back into this role, but then also wrestling with, am I qualified to lead these people? Like, did they just outgrow me while I was gone for eight, seven weeks? Because it is unbelievable at how much growth there was and how much, how much ownership and how they were working so unified. It was just absolutely beautiful. And so I sat there and I watched this, you know, in my mind, seeing this merry-go-round going and, you know, Dan's jumping from one horse to the next and Jess is doing this and Amy and Emily and, and Danny, they're all kind of moving in this different way and then Maddie steps in and does this thing and they were just all working beautifully. And I kind of found myself going, okay, I'm standing right here. I have this unbelievable family unit right now that I don't want to leave. I don't want to change. I want what we have right now to continue forever. And here's this merry-go-round that's working perfect. And I'm in the middle. And so it's like, well, do I, do I run to catch it? Do I wait till it stops? Do I slow down? At the same time, like, but if I run too fast, what happens to this? And I found myself for almost the better part of a week kind of like, what do I do? I don't know how to step into this because I don't want to mess it up. 
Because it's not like the merry-go-round was falling apart before I left, but I kind of, the best picture I had was I kind of had one foot on it and then one foot off, and I was trying to make it go faster this way. And everyone on there is going, hey, Brent, there's a power button over there. I'm like, no, no, I got this. You know, I got this. And I was kind of pushing it that way. And, and, and there were people that at times weren't, like they would see a void, but it wasn't being grabbed or wasn't being jumped into. And the leadership and staff just did this incredible job of running it. And it wasn't until I talked to a really good pastor friend of mine in Portland, and I was telling him the merry-go-round analogy. And he's like, man, that's a really good analogy. He's like, but maybe you're missing something. And I was like, what? And he said, maybe you're not supposed to get on. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I love my job. I don't, he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm not saying that. He's like, maybe you're not intended to be on the merry-go-round. And as the pastor, you're just intended to stand very close and shepherd. And stop being the one that gets on. And at times you may see someone hanging off the side and you need to step on and help them down. Or your role is to more cover and care and love and lead and not be the one that's like in there all the time, like springboarding it, shouldering it, Atlas carrying the world on your shoulders. Like maybe this is now you realize it's being done by everyone stepping into this role that God's created them for. And it's no longer you trying to drag everyone along at the pace that no one realistically should ever go. And maybe your role is just as, as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, to be there and say, oh, I need to step on here to help this. Oh, I need to, I need to help this person. They're on the horse. They need to be on the little, you know, ride-along trailer thing back there. And maybe my role isn't actually to be on there and jumping from seat to seat and doing that. And again, there's so many holes in that analogy, but, but what I realized is as he said that to me, everything that I'd been studying over the sabbatical and everything that I kind of felt kind of culminated in that conversation. And I wasn't able to put it into words until about a week later where I'd committed to the staff or to the leadership a couple different things on this sabbatical. One was that we would see counseling. And so Jen and I have been in counseling since January, actually. It's been awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. And it's been really, really good for us to kind of work through some, some past issue stuff. Nothing's falling apart, but just beautiful, beautiful counseling. So I recommend biblical counseling, and especially in our life, we've seen a huge, huge, amazing work done through it. But the beginning of sabbatical was like, hey, this is the beginning of sabbatical counselor and the end of sabbatical, and here's where we're at. And so we had that conversation last week, and so I was just sharing with our counselor some of that stuff, and it kind of all hit me in that moment when, when the counselor was like, man, I, like, I kind of wish I could have recorded that because I have a lot of people that need to know that that's what pastors feel and sense, and I can't actually remember what I said, so I'm um, sorry for that. But, <coughs> but it was affirming in the sense that I realized I'm not actually a pastor. I'm not a dad, and I'm not a husband. I'm a child of God that gets to be a pastor, that is called to be a dad and a husband. And so when I realize that that's where that shifts, I no longer jump on the merry-go-round. I no longer feel like I'm the one that has to do everything, but I can rest in who I am as a child of God. And as a child of God, then I can say, okay, God, you, you have saved me. You have adopted me. I am now your child then that means that you know how to work this bubble and this merry-go-round and where I'm supposed to be in this. And that means that you are going to have to lead me into leading my family through, hey, we're going to be a part of this, but it's not going to completely take away from us. And if you can do this, say, hey, I'm going to be a part of this, but it's not going to rule me anymore. And so what I realize is that as a child of God, I don't have to be insecure as to whether or not I'm being a good enough pastor or good enough dad or good enough husband. I can rest completely. I am adopted, co-heir with Jesus Christ. 
into the kingdom of good news. And now we've all heard that, right? So all of you take seven weeks off and figure out how to make that work. Good luck. Have fun, right? It just doesn't work that way. The other commitment I made to the, the leadership is that I was going to study what I read, continued to read through the, through the sabbatical, but I said I would study one thing and one thing only, and that was Psalm 46. So that's the only thing I will study, and I'm not going to be like every day studying it, but when I study, that's what I'll study. And so if you're willing, and you have to be because I have a microphone and you're sitting there, but um, I would love to share with you a little bit out of Psalm 46. If you, want, if you want, you can turn there with me, open up your phones, look at you know, your Bible in there. Really, the Psalm 46 is a, is a beautiful psalm. We don't know necessarily its timing of when it was written or what was going on. We don't know necessarily the exact author of it. But we know that whatever's happening in this psalm, that the majority of the psalm is written in third person. Okay, and then there's actually this one section, verse 10, which we'll focus in on. It, God is speaking in the middle of this psalm. We also know that verses 1 through 9 are a, a clumping. This is a song like most of the psalms. This is, a, this is meant to be sang probably in the higher octaves with some higher instruments. That's what that beginning stuff, those words like a psalm too, and it says all that stuff. That's kind of what that's talking about. So this is meant to be repeated, but 1 through 9 is kind of a repetition. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And verse 7 and verse 10, or, or verse 7 and verse... 11 are essentially um, repeats that work together. But in the middle of that, we have this verse 10. And so it's, it's a really interesting thing. Psalms 1 through 9 are talking about how chaotic world can be and water coming and, and things crashing. And this is like this, this kind of the, the, the doom is falling on us. In fact, here, maybe you can picture this with me. It's like, it's like right now what's going on in the world is a bunch of hatred. And, and, and segregation between groups. There's a bunch of fights about political schemes and political plans, right? There's a bunch of shootings. In fact, if we think hard, it really wouldn't be hard to just kind of replace this Psalm 46 and say, America today, where everything's in chaos and fear is just fueling more ugliness. And ugliness is fueling more hatred and that hatred is feeling more distance from God. And so this psalm is talking about earthquakes and the world falling apart and it being very, very apparent that everything is happening. But most likely is in relation to one of the many times that the Israelites were under war <laughs> and being attacked or oppressed by someone. And so here they are in this setting. And this is third person. It's talking about all these different things. And, and it, it has a, a little statement about a stream flowing through uh, Jerusalem, which actually there is no stream in Jerusalem, but the stream is meant to be God's stillness and presence in the midst of turmoil and craziness. His, his, his water is there. And most of the time in the Old Testament, water is like chaotic and big and, and, and evil's coming in oppression. But this is a, a beautiful scene of it. But then out of all of that chaos, it comes in in verse 10. It says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I've always made reference to that statement. I've always shared that verse. I've said it from here up before, like, hey, we're supposed to be still. It has less to do with a meditation of stillness. And actually, um, that word be still could actually be understood or translated be weak or let go is what that means. In fact, it almost would be easier to say it this way. Say, um, cause yourself to let go or make yourself weak is what be still means. And then know is, is used um, as acknowledge, recognize, admit, confess, know that I'm God. Can, um, it could be translated maybe learn that I'm God or, I love this one, see that I am God. So there's this idea of make yourself weak. Make yourself weak. Let go and then see me. 
see that I'm God. Which if you just kind of fast forward from this psalm to today and the anxiety that wells up in any single one of us, that makes sense, right? Because the thing, the reason why we have so much anxiety and fear and concern is because we're trying to control a situation that we have absolutely no control over. And so because we have no control, it wells up more fear. And because we, because we have more fear, then we get anxious. And then pretty soon we start not trusting God and his provision. Because if obviously if, this, if I can't control this, then how could God control this? And it sets in this moment. And so as I was wrestling through that and studying through that, I realized, and I shared a little bit of this with the staff, I realized that stillness and, and letting go is not natural for all of us. In fact, it's definitely not natural for me. And I will find holy ways to make me not letting go look good. Right? Well, I just, I really need to do this. I need to be there for that person. Translation, I'm too insecure to let someone else do it. I'm afraid that if it's not done, it won't be done well. That's, that's what I'm uttering when I say that. Or maybe it's, translation, I find my value in what I do and not who I am. Maybe that one rings true for us. So as I look at what it means to step into this pastoral role, which is a huge blessing, and I do not take lightly, and I look at what it means to be a father to the three girls I have, and who knows, fourth girl or son. Please, Jesus. Sorry. Um, don't record that part. We'll cut that out. Um, I, I know that I'm inadequate. I'm going to let them down. I'm going to fail them. I'm going to fail my beautiful wife but I can rest in something. That whether I fail them or I fail this, I'm still a child of God. And forgive the analogies, but one of the things I noticed kind of feeling like Flash and Judy Hopps there, that's the name of those characters at the beginning, that was usually reversed. Like, I'm the one that finishes people's sentences. <laughs> I'm the one that's impatient. Let's just get to the point. But what I realized, and I've done this with my middle daughter, where um, you're telling her something very serious. You know, like, hey, don't run out in front of that car. Or the house is on fire. Our house was on fire. But you're like, you're trying to tell her something very serious. And right when you get it, it's like, yes, Dad? She's like, can I have a drink of water? <laughs> Did you hear anything I said? Like, were you just thinking about asking for a drink of water the whole time? You know, like, it's just like you're not there. But what I realized is adults, we just mask that better. Okay, and I've done this. I'm guilty of this. Have you, let's just, you know what, let's just have a, a group confessional, okay? Have you ever, when someone's talking, been thinking about what you're going to say? Raise your hand. Come on now, don't hide it. You know, the people that aren't raising their hand are lying to you right now, okay? We'll talk about that sin later. But here's the thing. This is what I realized. We do that with God. We do that with God all the time. In fact, our reason for interjecting to someone else is usually, and I'll, I'll give us kind of, the, everyone that raised their hand will make us feel better for a second, okay? It's usually because we want to add to the conversation or we're excited about it or we, oh yeah, this is it. Sometimes it's because we feel like we're right and we need to correct what they said was wrong. Other times it's just because we don't really care what they're saying and we want to be heard. But I'm going to have a kid in a couple weeks. Actually, I'm not. My wife is. I'm going to stand in that like train wreck kind of spot. Watch, it's crazy but beautiful. Yeah, anyways, too much information. But she's going to have the baby. And this is the visual I got, okay? It's like the baby comes out. We're like, oh, it's a boy. Praise Jesus. And we have it. And it's like, there it is. And here's our baby. And, and, and we're holding the baby. And he's like, oh, this is great. And then he looks up at mom. He's like, man, thank you so much for giving birth to me. 
carrying me these last nine months in a super tight and confined space. Thank you. Would love a second room next time, okay? Like, whatever it is. Like, and he says all that, and he's like, peace, mom. I'll take it from here. I'm out. Right? Like, that's, that's ridiculous, right? In fact, the baby boy is going to spend, the, or girl, sorry. <laughs> Whew, careful. Okay, I feel like I need to confess. I hope that Priscilla, our third daughter, was a boy, and I absolutely love her. So I will love a fourth daughter, okay? Just, God will do that in my heart, okay? Um, this baby's going to spend years getting to know mom and dad and, and, and the good and the ugly, not Jen, but me, the ugly, right? And the bad things, and, and it's, it, it's going to learn how to interact with her. It's going to know when, when mom is upset or how to, how to obey or to learn and all those different things. And God is not bad or ugly. He's perfect. He's holy. He's majestic. He's powerful. He's sovereign. He's good. And you and I, we experience that sovereign beauty, grace at that moment of conversion. And half the time, we go, that's awesome. All right, I'll take it from here. God, I got it. And we spend no time getting to know him. No time. In fact, if we were honest with ourselves, some of us have been following Jesus for so long and we're, we're ashamed at how little we know that we won't ask questions in, in, in groups around people because we're afraid that they might think less of us. Well, how is that of God? Why can't we just, I was talking with a friend and she was saying, I, I'm just asking questions all the time and they're questions that are so basic but it's because I've been around church for so long that even when I ask them, people assume I should know them. I'm like, good job. Because half the other people in the room probably don't know those. They're just too insecure or afraid to admit it. And we are like that child that's born and is like, peace out, God, I got this. And you know why? I said it this way. It's because we want so badly to be used by God. Right? We want to be used by him. We, we experience that grace and that love, and it's like, oh, you saved me. I didn't deserve that. And so we, out of some form of penance, feel like we have to do stuff for him to make ourselves valuable or worthy. In fact, I wrote it this way. I said, um, we want so badly to be used by God that we use him for our glory and never get to know him. We want so badly to do good for him. We want to see people come to Jesus. We want to see our kids fall in love with him. We want, to, we want to experience all these incredible, amazing, good things, but we're never still. And we're never silent and we're never listening to God. And half of us could say, man, I don't even know God. In fact, you've seen it in your friends or family when they've had a crisis of faith, right? When things got hard, it got really difficult, like everything's kind of, the walls are crashing in, they're like, I don't even know if God exists, I'm out. That's this psalm. <laughs> in the middle of the chaos, in the extreme situations, when it makes no sense at all, let go and know I'm God. Let go and acknowledge who I am. See me. That's what he's talking about in this psalm. Let go. Be still. But we stink at that. In fact, we, we're lazy. I'm lazy. I figured this out. It's like, man, I just need a day off. I just, I'm tired. Jen and I will, will cancel plans with someone. We're like, we just, need, we just need some time. It's been crazy. And then we'll eat dinner and watch Netflix. How was that time redeeming? Like, look, don't get me wrong. Sitting down and watching Netflix can be awesome sometimes. Some of you watch some really bad stuff, but that's a whole another sermon. 
but being still isn't just going out and sitting on my patio and, and drinking some lemonade and enjoying the sun, although that is a form of stillness. See, he doesn't just say be still for stillness sake. He says be still so that you can know me. So if you want to actually rest, like Sabbath rest, like Bruce talked about six weeks ago here, seven weeks ago here, you need to be intentional with that time. It needs to be worshipful. And my fear is that because we're so busy, our worship is actually worship of Netflix or Facebook or friends and not actually worshiping the God whom we need so desperately to stay connected to. This way, if stillness is about knowing God, if knowing God was our primary desire, then slowing down would happen out of necessity. If that's our primary desire, then we would slow down. My youth, one of my youth pastors way back in the day told me busy. <laughs> like, I think many people have rolled their eyes at me for this one, but I'm going to say it anyways, okay? Busy is an acronym for being under Satan's yoke. And we, we almost idolize busyness. Have you ever noticed that? Hey, how you doing? Busy, man. Oh, rock on. You're busy. Cool. Like, what's that mean? We have got to slow down. We've got to let go. We've got to spend time getting to know the God who created us. When we understand that we are a child adopted into God's kingdom by a work not done of our own self, we can then start operating out of that position as opposed to, I have to do this because I am a dad. I can now say, I am able and get to do this because God has called me to be a dad. It's, it's not like it changes. In fact, honestly, I've shared some of the things with the staff that Jen and I are trying to figure out how to make the bubble and the merry-go-round kind of mesh, mesh. And one of them is we're trying to figure out specifically our phones, when they're on and when they're not. Honestly, guys, I'll say this. I challenge you through November, get off Facebook. Good Lord. It is so ugly on there. I mean, ugly. Other than those funny videos every now and those are great time wasters, right? But the hatred, it's almost like we've figured out a way to publish everyone's inner monologue, and I don't think we're meant to hear all that. I really don't. And I, I, would, I would challenge you to just, ah, disconnect. I mean, I'm telling you, one thing, you'll be way better at the weather. You'll be on it, okay? <laughs> but we're trying to figure out what it means for evenings for us and how we are more intentional. Because see, here's, here's what could happen on the sabbatical. I could have just sat in my PJs all day long, every day. And don't get me wrong, there were a few days that that happened and it was awesome, okay? But if I didn't redeem or be intentional with the time with my kids, I don't think we would have seen what we've seen out of it. Now God is good and God would have dreamed that, but, but the relationship is tighter between us because I had more time with them. The relationship is, is, is better between Jen and I, not because we just happened by proximity to be around each other, but because we were intentional to be around each other. Intentional to have conversations. Intentional to date each other. I, I, not to beat up a word, but intentional sounds like something maybe should be on the front of our brains. We, we have an opportunity in front of us. As a child of God, those of you that are not there yet, this is, this is different for you. My prayer is that that maybe what you would see in the believers or the friends that brought you, you would see a more confident person knowing the God that they say they believe in because of their willingness to say no. But we have an opportunity, those of us that, to, that, that profess to follow Jesus, 
we have an opportunity to make the most of every single moment. And some of that, that means that we do. We need to pick our, our shovel up and start digging like crazy. Some of us, it's like you got to stop digging. You've been working way too hard to pay some kind of like make yourself feel like you're valuable to God. And if you don't accomplish enough, maybe we just need to get off Pinterest, all right? Because you're never going to be that Pinterest person, all right? It's never that perfect, okay? Like just get off of it, stop it. You're not going to be there, okay? Be free from that. But these, I should or I have to, you know, I've done it three times distinctly, and some of you may be in this room. <laughs> I said no to three different people about doing something specifically. And, and, and they were good needs, but I said no. And I'm like, oh, you got something going on? Uh-uh, I don't have anything going on. But you're saying no? Yeah, and I felt like a total jerk. Like, how can I say no to this person? Oh, because what this person doesn't understand or doesn't know is that God is realigning my, my time. And if I say yes to you here, then I don't have any time with my wife and kids. And I want that time. Not that I should have that time. I actually want it. That's, please pray that that never goes away. I love that. But if you are in any way, shape, or form full of fear, anxiety, nervousness, Maybe you're trying to make it a more holy word, like, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen, so I'm just trying to be prepared. Or you're, 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 you're feeling this, like, overwhelming, sickening feeling in your stomach about what's coming. Maybe some of it's excitement, maybe. My bet is most of it is that you just don't know God in that situation. You don't see him in that situation, and you're not trusting him for the outcome. And look, this may mean that some of you Jen and I are figuring, you have to make some radical changes. Some changes that are like, these are really good things I love doing, but I'm no longer going to do it because I've got to carve out time to be still with God, for my family to see that, for me to be that. And so some of you, it means I got to say no. You got to say no to things. And well-meaning people, me next to you is going to be like, hey, can you do this for me? Puppy dog eyes, please. You know, and you have to look at me and say, no, Brent, I can't. And I'd be like, why? Well, because I got Netflix to watch not a good reason, dude. Not a good reason, right? No, it's because I'm reclaiming this time. And here's our tendency in this. Sometimes, and I'll do it too. Our tendency is to try and say we're busy, so we panic, we spin out, like this is out of control, we just need some time, and so we slow everything down for that moment, and then we don't actually redeem that time. We just kind of like, like veg out, like sleep until noon. Nothing wrong with that, people, but I can't do that. But it's, it's, you just, you just kind of sleep the day away. And maybe God's telling you to sleep. That's great. But most of the time, you're so burnt out, so exhausted, that you can't actually be restful with God. We have a Serve Sunday coming up in, next week, actually, coming up <laughs> next week. And, and I, I, I love doing those things because it gives us a chance, and I think as Christians as a whole, we struggle to do sometimes for Christ. We love to learn and be around, but we struggle to actually do. But I'm also realizing that there's this huge, 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 vast amount of us in here that our identity is wrapped up in what we do. I, I used this example last um, service. I, I think that part of the issue is for us to be still is the expectations are unrealistic on each other. From spouse to spouse, from your gospel community, from your friends, from your family, they're unrealistic. And let me give you an example. If Dan prior to sabbatical day, I would say, hey, I need to be home at four today. Is that cool? I'm like, yeah, sounds great. And then at 3.50, something like, you know, a bomb's dropped in my email. Like, oh, no, we need to take care of this. This is crazy. I'm like, hey, Dan, 
hey, Dan, can you come here real quick? We need to talk about this. And it's like, it's not a conversation that's going to be handled in 30 seconds, right? This is a conversation that's going to be big. And I know he's supposed to be home at four. And this situation is a very real situation. It's difficult and it's hard. If I had a healthy expectation on Dan, I'd be like, Dan, you got to get home, buddy. You said you're going to be home by four. It's 10 minutes till. Love you. See ya. And I would trust that God has given me this for this time. And then if I can't solve it, I can't fix it, then I would say, God, it's yours until it's time to do something with it. See, the problem is we have unrealistic expectations on each other. You need to do this so that this person can know Jesus. Well, just in case you missed it, you and I actually don't convert anyone to following Jesus. It's a work of the Holy Spirit and the heart done by Jesus Christ. We are the vessels in which he invites to be a part of it, but we don't hold the keys to anyone's salvation. See, we, we've taken good things and we made them that we have to do them. And then one last thing. We've taken not so good things and we made them as have tos too. We've made the white picket fence, 2.5 kids in a you know, house, our dreams. So we have to work our butts off to pay for it. We've made the new car, that this education has to be done, and we've made it all about that. And so you spend so much time being enamored by getting your degree or by paying your bills or by getting the next house or by doing this specific thing or, or seeing this very thing that we've, we've placed all of those things as gods in our life. And when those things are gods in our life, trust me, you will not know your God. You will not know your God. And so you've got to start peeling these things away. So what we're going to do in service here we're going to actually create time for you to be still. <laughs> so we're going to have, I don't know, a couple minutes of silence, minute of silence. And then we're going to have worship. The, the band's going to come up, but I want to be really clear, they're not the band. They're actually children of God using a gift that they've been given to be with us. So don't, don't idolize them. Don't even pay attention like, oh, man, that, that voice is amazing. Or, oh, that one's off key. That's not the purpose of this group up here. This is meant to be worship worshiping God and not them. So they're going to come up and they're going to lead us through some songs. You can sing. You cannot sing. You can stand. You cannot stand. You can get down on your knees. You can get down on your face. Whatever God's calling you to do, do. In fact, my encouragement would be this. If right now, and when you start doing this and God's telling you to stand up, don't do one of those things where, and I've done this. It's like, if I stand up, no one's standing up around me. Uh-oh. Right? Just forget it. Be still with God and let him speak to you. And the second thing we're going to do is communion. And communion is actually back there on that back table. And communion is, we, we talked about this back in February, but, but the Last Supper is when Jesus instituted this communion. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, like, problem to the tension that is found in all of us, which is we feel like we have to do for Jesus because of what he's done for us. Or we feel like if we don't do it, then we don't obviously know Jesus. Jesus on the cross takes away both. He, he solves the covenant of us actually breaking it because he, he spills his blood. And then he solves the part of us actually keeping it by living a perfect life. So on the cross, those culminate in his blood. We get to drink of, of the juice in remembrance of what he's done for us so that we can be in a right standing with him. But we also get to look at that, not just as what he's done for us, but as what he's going to do in and through us. And so communion can be a very beautiful beautiful thing where we partake of this bread and juice. It seems so silly, little things right here, but what we're doing is we're at, at something that Jesus, I believe, is anxious in a good way to do with us again. 
because he says that to his disciples in the Last Supper. I will not partake of this again until my kingdom. And so we get to do something very beautiful. As Father Jesus, we get to, we get to partake in a community that remembers not only what he's done for us. Maybe for you, it's he needs to take you back to child of God, adopted child of God. And he needs to, he needs to pull off manager or engineer or artist or, or musician. He needs, to, he needs to shred that all off and say, no, no, no. Before any of that, you are a child of God. Maybe you can do that through communion. The other thing we're going to have back there is we put the buckets back there for offering. And why I think it's good to do all of these together is that each of these are done with the right understanding of who God is. We don't sing music because it sounds good. We're worshiping God because of who he is. We don't give money because we feel like that's what we have to and the Bible tells us to. We're doing it because we know that he first gave it to us and gives us life. And so we do it out of obedience to follow him. We don't, we don't partake in communion because, well, it's just something to eat and we're kind of hungry by the time before lunch. No, we, we do that because of what he's done for us. And maybe some of you, it's, it's you need to write down your prayer cards. You need to write down there. You need to write away to pray. Actually, that's one of the things I missed so much while being gone was praying for those. So maybe just do me a favor and there's something that's been awesome. Praise God. Like, write it down on that prayer card. Put it in that bucket back there too. If there's something that you need prayer for, maybe some of you are like, I don't know what to do, but my life is in shambles. I need help. I don't know what to say no to. I don't know. They're all good things. I don't know what to say no to. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can someone walk me through this? Put that down too. But whether it's standing, whether it's communion, whether it's giving, whether it's writing a prayer card, whether it's worshiping, whether it's on your hands and knees, whatever it is, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to do this to be still, to listen, to see God in it. And some of you, that may be really, really hard. Let me pray. God, thank you for even allowing us to see you. It's an interesting, interesting spot to be when we can recognize that you are holy and majestic and beautiful, and yet you desire an, an intimate relationship with me when I feel so opposite of holy at times. Father, forgive us for for running from you. Forgive us for allowing business to ta- busyness to take place of you. Forgive us for using our families in as, as an excuse or our circumstances as an excuse to ignore you when our families and our circumstances are not in any way a shock to you. God, I pray for this time. I pray that you would, you would overwhelm us with your voice. For those that have been following you for a long time, I pray that the that they would realize that they want to know you more. For those who have been following you for a short time, I, I pray that they would want to know you more. And God, I pray that you would show up. I pray your spirit would show up in a beautiful way. God, for those that, that aren't sure who you are or wrestling with that, God, I pray right now that they would be overwhelmed by your spirit, that they'd be overwhelmed by your grace and realize just in this moment just how much you love them and that you are after them. For your glory for them to ultimately experience the most peace and joy they've ever experienced. God, forgive us for being busy. Forgive us for ignoring you. Forgive me for at times using so many other things as an excuse to say that I'm in relationship with you. May we be a people that are, that are, that are marked by knowing you. And out of that knowledge of you, God, we see you do an amazing work for your kingdom here on earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.